Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text comes from today's gospel reading, John chapter 20, the 29th verse. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thus ends our text. With regard to the resurrection of Christ, the opening of the Apostle John's first epistle, canonized as Scripture, proclaims this truth to every forthcoming generation. It reads, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John wrote that the proclaimed message of Christ's death and resurrection is the word which brings eternal life to the world. However, when it comes to the truth of Christ's resurrection from death, that he did in fact die for the sins of the world, that his body was sealed in a tomb, and that he did in fact rise from death to everlasting life, still bearing the wounds of his crucifixion, the gift of faith from God is required to grasp that truth and believe and live by it. As believers in Christ, we have heard the testimony of God's word, which has created in us the faith needed to believe what we do not see. By hearing the word of God proclaimed and in receiving our baptism, we are given the faith necessary to believe the testimony of Scripture. We don't need to depend on our senses to verify the truth that Jesus lives. But in this world, there are many who do not believe what they are unable to see or touch. They will depend upon their senses to verify what is true. To them, the scriptures only claim that Christ's resurrection is historical fact, without offering their senses any proof of the living Christ. Like Thomas in today's gospel passage, they demand evidence beyond the mere testimony of the word. For them, the proclamation of the gospel is not enough. They will need to see Jesus alive in person to believe. Well, when Thomas doubted the testimony of his fellow disciples, he did not realize how important their testimony would be in the spreading of the gospel. He was unaware at that moment that the Holy Spirit's inspiration through these men would carry the truth of Christ's resurrection to the very ends of the earth. Still, Christ appeared to Thomas and removed his doubt, blessing him with the faith needed to spread the message of Christ's resurrection. And the Holy Spirit worked through his faith to convert and baptize many people by the power of the word. Tradition holds that Thomas traveled as far as modern-day India to spread the gospel. Many people there came to believe in Jesus Christ as the living, reigning Son of God, and many still do. According to a 2011 census, there are an estimated 27.8 million Christians in India, making Christianity the country's third largest religion. Because Thomas saw Christ alive again and believed, many who did not see the living Christ have come to believe that he lives. 
But we also, in our Lutheran tradition of faith, believe that Jesus lives, who once died to take away our sin. We have this belief because faith has been created in us by the power of God's word, even though we struggle at times to believe. At times, we find that our faith is weakened and abused by the worries and anxieties we face. In the circumstances of our lives, for instance, what we sense often makes us question whether or not our sins are forgiven. There was a time when the Word of God was concealed by the ecclesiastical abuses of the medieval Roman church, and the Word of Life was unable to bless those who had not seen Jesus. Martin Luther grew up terrified of the living Christ because erroneous human traditions had clouded the light of truth. Yet, when the truth of the gospel became known to Luther by the power of the inspired, inerrant word of God, he didn't have to doubt whether or not the living Christ meant that God loved and forgave him. By the faith given to Luther through God's word, he could believe without having seen Christ alive. What became of importance to Luther in his time, therefore, was the preservation of the word's authority over and above any authority on earth. The principle of sola scriptura, elevating the authority of scripture over even that of the Pope and any other human tradition. This was paramount in Luther's mind toward the faithful proclamation of the gospel. Without that principle, None of us in the Lutheran Church would have been given the faith to believe that our sins are forgiven because Jesus lives and has triumphed over death and hell. Sola Scriptura is the principle by which those who have not seen Jesus are blessed with the faith to believe they are forgiven. It is this very blessing of faith which led to the formation of the Confessio Augustana, the Augsburg Confession, the primary confession of the Lutheran Church. In the year 1530, Elector John Frederick the Steadfast of Saxony sought to present the specific beliefs of the Wittenberg reformers at the Diet of Augsburg. At stake was the fate of the gospel in its purity, a purity which gave those who received it the faith to believe that the living Christ had paid the full penalty for their sin. The task of drafting the confession fell upon Philip Melanchthon since Luther and his writing had been outlawed in 1521 at the Diet of, of, of Worms. Then, on June 25, 1530, with Luther safely residing in the castle of Coburg, the 28 articles of the Augsburg Confession were presented to the Roman theologians and Emperor Charles V. A confutation, or argument against the confession, was issued leading Melanchthon to write an apology or defense of the confession, which was likewise rejected by the emperor. This then led to the formation of the Schmalkaldic League, a group of German princes who subscribed to the Augsburg Confession and risked their lives and their livelihoods to defend it. The League was defeated by the emperor, but the truth upheld by the Augsburg Confession had already spread throughout the empire. The Peace of Augsburg, then, a treaty signed between the emperor and the Lutheran princes 25 years after the confession had been delivered, finally provided legitimacy for the preaching of the pure and untainted gospel. 
without that legitimacy of practice granted to the Lutheran churches by that treaty, none of us would know that we were completely forgiven all our sins when Christ died and rose again. The Augsburg Confession begins with three articles that confess the Holy Trinity, the true nature of sin, and the Son of God as true God and true man. The Confession then proceeds with 18 articles that confess the grace of God and the gift of faith as they pertain to the salvation God has given to the world. The remaining seven of the Confession's 28 articles handle the ecclesiastical abuses which had tainted the gospel and prevented the blessing of believing in Jesus Christ. When Jesus told Thomas, blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed, he knew what sort of conflict the church would face that would prevent the gospel, the voice of the shepherd, from reaching the ears and hearts of his sheep. The abuses that had arisen in the church hindering this proclamation of Christ's resurrection as the blessed assurance of salvation, arose because of disbelief. The disbelief of many leaders in the Western church buried the truth of sins forgiven in a tomb of vain struggle. That struggle to hold on to control which we sinners so desperately seek to have over the world and over God's word. Thomas, likewise, struggled with that control. He had to see Jesus alive. He had to touch Jesus to believe the other disciples' proclamation. Yet his and the other apostles' testimony was in truth the word of life, the, the voice of the good shepherd to his sheep. That voice spoke to the reformers in Wittenberg, and because of the actions that arose from their faith, we too hear the voice of the good shepherd. Christ, who lives and who reigns and who has paid for our sins in full. We don't have to see Jesus to believe. We have heard his voice in his word by which he has baptized us into his death so that just as he rose again, we too will rise again to eternal life. Jesus didn't leave Thomas in his doubt. He came and bid Thomas to touch him and believe. Though our sinful eyes cannot see him, by faith we can see and touch him when he speaks his word to us and bids us to eat his body and drink his blood. Though he is hidden, by faith we can see him who has blessed us with his love in the pureness of the gospel. Thus, the Augsburg Confession serves to unveil the living Christ. It removes from our hearts and minds any doubt which would leave us struggling to believe that Jesus lives and has won for us our salvation. We will one day see him face to face when we stand before Christ in his glory. Until that day comes, his word guides you and me so that in our faith we proclaim Christ to be alive forevermore. Though Luther could not be present at the Diet of Augsburg, and suffered much anxiety over its proceedings, knowing what was at stake for the authority of God's word. By faith, he had to trust that God would preserve the Reformation and its efforts to unveil the true gospel. In our lives, we too will face worry and anxiety 
as we attempt to control our circumstances. Yet, because the gospel can be preached in its purity, we have the blessing of hope in knowing that Christ lives, our sins are forgiven, and we too will live with him forever. May this blessed hope guard and defend us from all adversity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.